You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve, and Brad and Chris are back for our VHS podcast, where we look at the box art trailers and behind the scenes. Chris, how many times have you seen this movie in the past couple months? Three. Three. I think three. And you went through it every time without stop, right? Oh, no. This movie's awful. <laughs> it, it was uh, it was like pulling teeth. Uh, technically my pick, but not my pick. Brad, I see you have a new hat. You want to tell the listeners what you got on? Also a Bush Light hat that uh, someone got for me at, at the brewery there in St. Louis, actually. A little free swag. Oh. Yeah. Because we don't drink Bud Light here. Like, Oh, no. People. I mean... Horrible stuff. Why would you ever drink Bud Light? Why would we downgrade to Bud Light when Bush Light is so available? I'm gonna really get I'm gonna really get back at AB by not drinking Bud Light, but only drinking like the other one of their 100 beers. Yeah, people are like, well, I'm buying Jack Daniels. It's like they've been doing the same thing forever, man. So in essence, I'm just owning the libs right now. That's right. Well, that's how you do it. All right. Well, let's get into it. Chris, introduce what did we watch this week? Uh, Samurai Cop. It's we. I took one for the team. It uh, a viewer submitted it. Uh, Zach Morris must die. Whoever you are, I uh, I want to fight you. I'll meet you one day. <laughs> <laughs> so this is an old email that I got a long time ago, and. I mean, he basically just says, you know, you guys like really bad movies. This is one that I had a good time watching. And then the weird thing was, is he signed it or she could be she. I don't know. Zach Morris is trash. And I was like so confused. Well, I'll tell you what. Zach Morris is trash. If you're out there listening right now, thank you for enlightening me to this gem. <laughs> now, what'd you guys, Chris, what'd you watch this on? Amazon. I think it was on Amazon. Yeah. On Amazon. And Brad, what'd you watch it on? I watched this on Freebie. And that algorithm thinks I am a thinks I do some things on my personal time that uh that uh, don't lead to uh good health outcomes. Hey man. <laughs> they're just advertising their HIV meds and their tide and their I just uh, get mental health disorder on Tubi all the time, so Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, well, I mean to watch Tubi you probably have a mental disorder. So <laughs> And that's why I'm on it at least once a week. So, <laughs> I love Tubi. They got I a actually, lot on there, man. They just got to yeah. fix the commercials. I get so many Tide commercials on Tubi. Like a lot. Who needs more Tide? He needs more Tide. I'm like, okay, dude, I get it, Tide. Uh, I actually watched it on the Blu-ray here that um, Cinema Epoch uh, released it on. You know, I had seen it. I... Saw this on Red Letter Media many years ago, bought the DVD right away, and then hadn't touched this in many years. And then I uh, had to watch it twice because I watched it a couple months ago. And then right when literally the day we were going to record our Samurai Cop, my, my uh, little girl was born. <laughs> so we delayed it and delayed it and delayed it. And then 
I had to watch it again because I was like, well, it's got to be sort of fresh in my mind. And even that was, I think, like two weeks ago. Yeah, I know. Maybe the universe was trying to tell us something. <laughs> to avoid it. I mean, we're making somebody happy. Somebody is laughing knowing that we had to watch this so many times. Yeah, it's true. And, it sit, and you guys had to sit through all the commercials. Actually, I did watch it the, the last time. Whatever I watched on, I think, had some commercials, too. But yeah, I think I watched on Amazon, too. But it was on, like, through one of their... Maybe it is Freebie. Yeah, I think that's how I found it. I searched Amazon, and then it said, watch for watch for free on Freebie with commercials. Dude, I just typed the movies into Google, and then they have a watch option, and you can see everything that's on. That's how that one movie I wanted to recommend, I was like, oh, it's not on the internet, so... You gotta watch those watch options. Always check. I've made those mistakes too. We're like, they're not updated in time. No, I did that. All right, let's get into the quick facts of this bad boy. Directed by Amir Shavir. Shavar, uh, well, I think it's Amir Shervan. That sounds right. And this was the final film of his career. Wow, I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> it was also written by him. Distributed by Dimmel International Corporation and Cinema Epoch. Uh, released in 1991 on a budget of, according to a YouTuber, Latin Eversol, it was about $50,000. And then never saw a box office run, so. It's uh, no money. Uh, starring Matthew. Well, okay, so his name changed. Now his name is Matt um, Hannon. Uh, and he played Joe Marshall. But originally he was credited. No, he was credited as Matt Hannon. And now he's Matthew. Yeah. Caritas. Yeah, Caritas is what I'd assume. Yeah. And then we got Robert Zadar, the chin himself, as uh, Yamashita. He's our boy. Oh, yeah. Man, he's been so much trash. It's a great. Um, I think he was in another Amir Chevron movie. It's Killing American Style or something like that. We got Mark Frazier as Frank Washington. Frank was great, though. <laughs> And I'll say he's really good. I like Frank. Frank was smoking some doobies on every scene. Ah, uh, yeah, man. There's some stories about what they did to this actor. Because th <laughs> this poor guy, he's just like, is so confused. He looks like he's uh, in a different movie because half the time he has no context of what he's smiling at. I'll explain that later. <laughs> My ass is already black. Yeah. Then <laughs> <laughs> we got Cranston Kamuro as Fuji... Fujihama, um, and we got Janice Farley as Jennifer. Now, I do not know if Jennifer is the cop or if Jennifer is, like, the girlfriend. I, I don't really know. I didn't look it up. And then we've got uh, Gerald Akamura as Akamura. <laughs> At this point, they're just kind of like, I'm out of, I'm out of creativity here. I <laughs> Jennifer, I'm pretty sure, she says she does some inappropriate innuendos there with some people throughout the movie if i'm not well if you're guessing if you're guessing if it's right. the cop then it's every time oh yeah that's her entire thing i mean i'm like all right parts of this movie did play right parts of it it's just somebody out there will love it yeah no i mean clips of this movie are great i just don't know if sitting through it by yourself is the best way to watch it Gotta have some beers in you. Gotta be with a group. We all live like six hours away from each other. Yeah. Like literally about the same amount of time. Because I know it takes about six hours to get to Brad. That's four to me and you. 
Yeah. And then I think it, yeah, it's six to Brad from here. So we're <laughs> an isosceles triangle. Weirdest Midwestern triangle ever. All right. Uh, so a lot of my information I got from a YouTuber, um, Lent never saw in uh, a lesson in failure, the story of Samurai Cop. He did a really good job in like his 20 minute video breaking this down, gave me a lot of information. So I just wanted to give that YouTube channel a shout out. So getting into this film, because we don't have the VHS, because there was no VHS in the US. Like it was only released on VHS in Poland. Jesus. I bet that cost a lot. And now our feature presentation. This movie starts out, I guess uh, we got a, I don't know, a guy trained <laughs> in like Sandy. Well, he's trained as a samurai and he's a San Diego to copper detective. And then he's transferred to L.A. Is that what everyone else got? Yeah, he got in trouble. He like killed too many people. So they sent him to L.A. To take down a rival Japanese. So there's multiple Japanese gangs. Is that what everyone else got? I thought it was just the one just working together. Well, at the beginning, doesn't he have like a bunch of them lined up and they're like, yeah, we won't do that. We won't go against yada yada. Right. Wasn't there something like that? They're a smaller group controlled by a larger group. Maybe. Yeah, I, I didn't know. I, I just lost all focus when I was staring at Fabio's <laughs> luscious mane right there. I thought it was Fabio <laughs> at first. This is what I, I thought it was discount Fabio. <laughs> <laughs> so clearly he came back for reshoots, you know, after he cut his hair short. That's the story. As he was done with this movie, his agent told him to cut his hair short because long hair is becoming something of the past. And then he was assured that he wouldn't have to come back for shoots. And of course, like, you know, six months or eight months later, when the uh, director got more money, he's like, don't worry, we got a wig. You know, we'll shoot you from far away. No one will ever notice. <laughs> I thought something was off. That wig is a character of his own. Yeah. Oh, good Lord. That wig is awful. Hey, it's not a tiger. So, um, you know, we, we got these these. This gang, this Japanese gang, which I think is called like Katana. And by the way, everyone, um, what what is uh what does Katana stand for? Uh, kick ass territory across national areas. No, it stands for Japanese sword. You did oh. so much work for that. <laughs> uh, this car scene, this chase at the beginning. Oh God, they keep they keep shooting like the the Joe character. You know, from like down below going, he's like, hey, shoot him, shoot him, shoot him. And then it's just bad. They're like cuts of like Frank trying to shoot these guys in this ridiculous van. <laughs> and then you can hear all the ADR. Oh, no, he got me. <laughs> and then I noticed one of the tires is completely flat on the car. Like as they're taking turns, it's just like grinding the rim. I don't think it was intentional. Did you notice that they didn't like white balance the camera? before shooting or something. I don't know how you do that back in the day with film, but like you can see the whites, the like light from the sky is just like blown up mm -hmm. or blown out the uh, whites. It's pretty crazy. They didn't have, they didn't have the money for reshoots then they had to go. There's a great interview with, um, you know, the guy who played Joe Marshall, um, Matt Hannon, he's on red letter media. And he, he tells them, he's just like, you know, we didn't even know we were shooting some days. We just get our lines from the script that you know might have been rewritten we were told to show up somewhere and we did everything in one take because we didn't have enough film to pay for it all yeah it shows or they didn't have enough money to pay for all the film 
100%. Yeah, you can tell sometimes they're expecting this not to make the movie, and it still, then it gets in there. <laughs> well, that uh, stunt guy who's on fire in the, in the, you can see when, like, by the way, they're not trained to put out, you know, they're not trained in stunts and everything. And he just told me, he goes, okay, this guy's going to be on fire, and then you're going to put him out with a blanket. Dude, it looks like he's dying. <laughs> like they they're not there in time and it the guy like it just looks like he's in agony matt hannon talks about it. he's like yeah so we just ran over we got the stuff out of the back we put this guy out and what none of the viewers realize he's like well this guy was pretty calm you know he was kind of looking around he's like are we done and then they took the blanket back off and he was still on fire so they had to do it again like off camera yeah his hands and i noticed that his hands were still lit after they said he was out like he's still smoldering yeah and he uh man hannon said he just walked off the scene he's just like oh just another day I gotta go do more some more stunts somewhere else just like jesus <laughs> more beer and cocaine <laughs> tell me, tell me okay, this movie has a fifty thousand dollar budget and you get a stunt man but you light on fire and you almost die and you have like severe burns that affect you for the rest of your life and you get what what's your cut of that fifty thousand dollars as a stunt man $17. Well, what's great is they didn't even know they were going to do that scene that day. They just said they showed up and this guy was like covering himself with like fire repellent gel or whatever. <laughs> you guys ready to do this? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, what are we doing? Oh, it's hilarious. Then we get the this ridiculous because pretty much after that, we get that ridiculous sex scene, which goes on forever. Before that, remember that line where she's like, uh, was it Jennifer's in the helicopter flying around, giving him the you know, the directions and everything. And he's like, it's up and ready. You just keep it warm. Like, <laughs> oh, that's, we're going we're gonna to be getting a heavy dose of that through the rest of the movie. The in-your windows were good. I did like those. I don't think um, Joe can go 15 minutes without sexually. No, no, no. He can't. It's, it's in his contract. <laughs> I don't think it was all him, though. That nurse started it. That's right. She did. In, she did instigate that. Yeah. She's like, "Do you have a dick?" <laughs> oh, I'll play that scene in just a bit. But you know what? What's weird about these sex scenes is like they went on. They're very awkward, and then they he kept like cutting and showing like uh, he was going a little too uh, below. And I was like, "Is this gonna turn into a porno?" Because I'm like, "We're gonna see some of JJ." <laughs> it looked like old Skinamax. Yeah. Yeah. But Chris, didn't you point this out that? All those scenes look like they were shot like in the same room. They just changed the curtains and the it was basically the same bed in the same room. I didn't, but yeah, they, they it's it's one set. There's not sets in this. They had the hospital. They had one bed. They had one restaurant, and then that's it. And then Gorilla shot the stuff on the streets, probably. Yeah, apparently uh, the director's office was used multiple times. For like cutaways where you just see a close up of someone's face talking, it's all in the same room. Because he realized when he was cutting the film, he's like, "Oh, I don't have you know enough exposition in this, so or I don't have enough close ups." So he just like would bring in the actors, like, "Come into my office, I'll shoot you in the corner, and we'll just put it in the film." <laughs> they they take this this guy who was burnt after you know Joe's got got to have some sex, and then uh, they take him to the hospital, and they're there to protect him. But then immediately they leave and bump into the nurse. And let me play this scene for you. Oh, this is great. Do you like what you see? I love what I see. Would you like to touch what you see? Yes. Yes, I would. Would you like to go out with me? Uh, yes, I would. 
Would you like to fuck me? Bingo. Well, then let's see what you've got. Doesn't interest me. Nothing there. Nothing there? Just exactly what would interest you? Something the size of a jumbo jet? Have you been circumcised? Yeah, I have. Why? Well, your doctor must have cut a big portion of it off. So, yeah, parts of this movie are great. Like, but it, I think when you just watch the thing as a whole, it is, it just, it just doesn't hold up. There's, there's so much shit that is really bad that unless you're with friends drinking, hanging out where you can waste time when the stupid shit's happening, I don't think that the great parts keep your attention. Well, I mean, just like this scene got so much better, just, you know, experiencing it with you guys. Yeah. Like, that's what this movie is. You have to experience it with a crowd or with a group. Like sitting by yourself, <laughs> watching these <laughs> stupid commercials for like, you know, Tide or or whatever comes up, you know, it's, it just doesn't have the same ring to it. But yeah, yeah, I, I mean, and then like they just sneak into the hospital, you know, Frank Sadar's character and his like goon, uh, she sneaks him in. I love that he is dressed like a doctor, but still sneaking in. Yeah. Like, yeah. what's the point? When he got out. I thought that she was going to get back in so that it'd be harder to trace them. If they're looking for a woman, then all of a sudden it's the doctor pushing a cart. But she shouldn't be pushing a cart, but who knows? Well, and they're they're killing the guy, obviously, so he can't talk. And their boss wanted his head basically on a spike. And he's like, I'll, I'll volunteer to go to the hospital and cut his head off. <laughs> uh, <Right>. Ridiculous. <laughs> Just like, yeah, why? <laughs> they're like can he answer questions i don't know he's been burned over 90 percent of his body i think that needs to wait maybe the the boss doesn't trust his guy so it's like you gotta bring back his head to prove me that you took him that you killed him i guess art's expensive man you gotta get whatever you can put on the wall wherever yeah chief is hilarious uh i won't show the cut of him yet but later on but he's hilarious you know where they're just you know where did the like chief yelling at that came from lethal weapon right i think something in that genre. like where the chief is always yelling at them like oh my god i don't know where it came from the but... chief's always got the mayor and the press on his back you know so he's got to yeah. the press off my back yeah the breathing down my throat under bitches. and clearly this movie is influenced you know from lethal weapon two oddball partners coming together to solve the crime you know, we don't know which one's better, Lethal Weapon or Samurai Cop. It's hard to judge, you know? It's hard. I think I could put a bet down on that one. <laughs> uh, let's see. Joe and Frank attend the gang's lunch, and uh, Joe might have the best monologue of all time. Uh, I've got it right here. This is... Okay, so I'm going to set this up, too. So they shot the entire restaurant scene, and... What happened is the director, you know, then told Matt, he's like, hey, you got to come back in, just shoot this in my office. And this was like, he was just so exhausted when he came in. He's just like, I was tired of doing these reshoots. I thought this movie is going to suck. And he's like, I was so negative in this speech. And you can really tell when you sit here and see the way he talks and just, just look at his face. Now, everyone out there who can't see it, We'll describe it. He's just very negative in this, so uh, let's watch it. Now I'm telling these son of a bitches that we respect the Japanese of this country who are honest businessmen. 
And yeah, this is the land of opportunity for legitimate business, not for death merchants who distribute drugs to our children through schools and on the streets. Now I'm telling these motherfuckers that if they continue killing our children to make their precious millions that they deposit in their secret Swiss bank accounts, counselor, before your lawsuit even gets off the court clerk's desk, I'll have their stinking bodies in garbage bags and ship them back to Japan for fertilizer. <laughs> they're gonna, they're gonna put that money in those secret Swiss bank accounts. <laughs> like what? But uh, if he knows that the movie's gonna suck, he's part of the reason the movie's gonna suck. Like he's got to be mad at himself too. Well, I mean, how much? How mad can you be at actors when they're given the lines the day of, memorize it, and then given like one take? You know, there, there's no. Yeah, I know. Look at me. I just sit at home watching shitty movies. I, I've never been in one. Well, I'm just saying it's just like when you look, when you listen to the story of some of these films, especially this, it's just like these actors are put behind the eight ball. There's no way they're going to They're just put in bad situations because you've got a director that I don't even know what he was trying to do with this film because he didn't have the money to shoot it. No one really knows how he got funding for this. And it was all rushed. It's like, so strange. It wasn't like Sharknado or something where they tried to make it, you know, bad on purpose. This was just yeah, bad. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather watch this than Sharknado any day, though. Uh yeah, yeah. The, I some of the films where they're like purposely trying to be so bad it's good. Yeah. We've just, talked about they this don't tons. Have it. It's yeah, gotta, they, it's gotta not intentionally be bad. It had to want to be good at one. Yeah, point. those kind of movies have no authenticity to them. This is like. You yeah. know, I, I'm not going to really crap on anybody for going out there and getting in the arena and trying to trying to make something. I mean, sometimes we're foolish. I mean, sometimes we look foolish. So, are you the positive one this time? <laughs> like the only movies I really ever rip on are the ones that are kind of the cheap mailed in, like carbon copy movies. You know, like Highlander Three and Virus, where it's like, oh, I've seen this before. You guys just carbon copied one and changed a few lines around. That's the only time I'll really like not recommend one. Oh yeah, when you get like this you know, director or writer that have like been doing this for years. And they're like, Oh, we'll just put this in. I've done this. This works. And they're just going through the motions. Like whatever. We got to get this out paycheck to paycheck. I get it. But uh, yeah, there's nothing carbon. There's no, there's nothing. They like set the mold for this movie. There's nothing that's carbon copy. in here. It's crazy. They're trying to carbon copy lethal weapon. Well, they are trying to copy lethal weapon, but they're just doing an hilarious job. You know, so then they, they get out of this restaurant and well, we get the gay a server, which dude, that's that's one of the greatest parts of this movie, I think. Uh, if I find a clip of that, um, I'll put it in here so you guys can listen. But it's bizarre. It's absolutely bizarre why he's talking like that. And there's no explanation. He just did it. Who's that blonde girl? Oh, her name is Jennifer. She's the boss. The boss? You mean she owns this place? Her mother owns the place. Where's her father? Bang! Killed? Who shot him? He! Who? Him! Who's him? Himself! Oh, he committed suicide. Yes! <laughs> He's Brazilian? Is that what he says? He says my cousin's a cop in Brazil or whatever country? Yeah, something like that. Puerto Rico, whatever. And But his name, he's credited in here as oh, Costa Rica. He's Costa Rican waiter is what his credit is. <laughs> her mother owns this place. What about her father? 
bang killed who shot him he who him who was he himself committed suicide yes that's all it has is his quotes (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't even have his name and they're like we got to get out of here if you told us his last name we'd be here all day well and then he gets bored of the cop lady joe here and then he goes right after this lady that you know was sitting at the table he's just like what are you doing with this loser why don't you come and like hang out with this all-American man right here? <laughs> and then he just like he won't leave her alone until she bangs him. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Criminal syndicate that everybody's scared of has tons of money. You know, fucking loser. <laughs> <laughs> and then the one scene where they like they literally frame her with that weird ass lion. Oh, that scene! Like every time I watch this movie, you know, third time. I'm like, what is up with that? And I guess the director just liked it. And he's like, I'm going to put this in my shot. So after the restaurant, that's where they have that ridiculous gunfight, right? They fall oh, out and just yep, start shooting. Yep. I lost my notes. I thought they were in the notebook I take notes on. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not. Or we watched it originally seven months ago. <laughs> but like it, it's fucking grenade and then shot and then grenade and then grenade and then grenade and then grenade. I was like, Jesus Christ. Well, and then the katana sword gets in there and he chops off that guy's arm, which is hilarious because like, he ah! has his hand out and he just loses <laughs> it. So, yeah, it's got parts of like shitty movies we love. I love when somebody just cuts through and like it's just like the end of a sleeve that's bloody is now what he's doing with his arm. And I'm like, that's great. I love that shit. And then randomly Akamura you know, gets into a fight with Joe and dies. And I said, I cried a little because I was like, oh, the only guy who knows what he's doing in this film other than Frank Sadar is now dead. I'm like, no, uh, Akamura, not only was he acting in this, but he was doing all the stunts. And the actor talks about like how ridiculous the stunt setup was. They're like, don't worry, Akamura is going to tell you what to do. And he'd be like, all right, you kick him, you punch him. And we don't have time to rehearse. So just do it. <laughs> Oh my God. (laughs) Like, you know, Disney and these other big films will take, you know, like weeks to months to set up these big fights and everything like this. Mm, Not this guy. He won't even take like half a day to help these actors. All right. So I lied. I was in a movie. I got cut. But all I did is walk in to a bar, walk past the camera, walk past the couple that they're filming and order a drink. It was like a pan shot. Mm -hmm. I did it nine times. We did this at four in the morning after the bar closed. Dang. Nine times. That's that's like, that's why I was like, yeah, when they're doing this stuff in one shot, I get it. Guy's like, no, we need to do it again. And then did it again. But yeah, I can't imagine doing once. That reminds me, my wife and I, we were in Chicago probably about 12 years ago, 10 years ago, and just walking around and there was some randomly, some movie or some show was being filmed on the sidewalk and they asked us to they asked us if we wanted to be in it they were just like no we're gonna go meet friends at big star gonna get you know drink some 30 dollar margaritas there get blackout drunk <laughs> then you can be in the movie yeah <laughs> i gotta prepare like the child star i am <laughs> yeah big star chicago has got some potent margaritas there they do not skimp oh there are some bars uh when we lived off uh southport and uh belmont there was a mexican restaurant there that had like death margaritas and there's a reason why they call them death margaritas they're like so strong <laughs> yeah you oh, this is good i can handle this and then it hits you all at once i'm like uh-oh I'm like what were we doing last night i don't remember 
thrown up in a back alley on your way home. <laughs> like when you stand up, you're like, oh, shit, I'm on the moon. <laughs> yeah. legs don't work. <laughs> it fall, falls straight through the bar and all the tables. <laughs> I've never done that. Uh, no, no, never. Mm-mm. I'm a good adult. I'm, I'm on my best behavior when I go outside. All right, so we get a bunch of gang members die in a random building. And the reason I put this was I have no idea. Like at one point I see him staring at film being like edited or spooled or whatever it is. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? (laughs) And then he gets into a gunfight with them. I guess the Japanese gang member called in some hired guns to come kill him. But why the fuck is he like watching some guy edit film? It's a meta. They were editing the film. I hope so. They broke the fourth wall. Well, he was in the wig, so it it was after all the original shoots. (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised if they were literally editing their own film. They're like, well, we need somewhere to shoot. We'll just shoot here. And I'm already paying this guy to edit, so he'll just be in the movie and we'll ADR his lines. (laughs) I wouldn't be shocked. Why not? Did you guys notice that like all the guys in this film wore black Speedos? I took a note on that. I'm like, what is up with all the banana hammocks going on yeah, here? Of, of course you did, Brad. <laughs> of course you took a note of it. You're like, mm. Well, after that first intro scene, I'm like, hell, am I gay now? <laughs> and then I said, we have another long sex scene with the Japanese mob boss's Fujiyama's girlfriend. We get the, we get some down panning in this one, I think, right? Yeah. yeah. He does it in both of the sex scenes. Where I'm like, whoa, whoa, we're gonna see some some JJ and butthole here, and he's just like, oh, this is this is how you shoot these scenes, right? Just going right underneath of that camera. You brought up how or Highlander three. It reminds me of the sex scene in Highlander three, where you're just like, well, why? This is really really long. <laughs> like my teenager will watch some of these with me or come out when I'm watching them, and I'm like, what? What the fuck is? Buddy, go away for a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, some private time. So our windows don't have any curtains on it in the living room, and that's where our, our big TV is. And anytime I'm watching that at night, I am paranoid that my neighbors are like watching porn again. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm watching this for my podcast. It's research. Sure it is, buddy. This is art. You need to like stop being so insensitive. <laughs> my hands are just really dry. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stop blowing my nose. Moisturizer. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. And then the Katana gang starts attacking cops and kills them. And like, so this Good. is one where red letter, red, uh, where red letter media described that the reason that this house is covered in a bunch of like martial art pictures is because this is like one of uh, the director's friends who was like a big time martial artist who wasn't home. And he's like, yeah, you can shoot in my house while I'm gone. And he's just like, we shot so many scenes in that guy's house. We just kept redressing it. <laughs> oh, you're talking about the husband and wife? Yeah. I was like, you can't do this to me. My husband's a cop. And they're like, good, fuck him. Boom, boom, <laughs> building. I bet they also ate all his food and drank all of his booze while they were in there. Probably, yeah. Depending on certain states, you can't eat over 50%. Oh, okay. There's rules on that. I had no Mm. idea. Uh, Chief orders them to go after the gang and take no prisoners. But somewhere before that is uh, like where they like make up. And uh, I actually have that. So you guys can uh, listen to the chief 
Uh, this guy's pretty funny. I really like him. Now, why don't we give Samurai here a second chance? Because I need him. We need him. So why don't we just help him and support him? All right? What do you say, huh, Cap? I feel like somebody stuck a big club up my ass. And it hurts. I've got to figure out a way to get it out of there. God damn it, get the hell out of my office. Get out of here. I don't want to see your face. You son of a bitch! Come back here, you motherfucker! Yeah, I think a re-edit would benefit this movie a lot. Uh, cut it down to like 45 minutes. Yeah. I think An hour, keep all, keep all the good parts. But uh, that's never going to happen. Never going to happen. It's oh, making too much money now. Did you guys see that note I put on there that he, the main actors apparently made upwards of $300,000? from this movie being distributed and replayed and everything like that. Nice. That is like, you know, when you ever found like a 20 in the wash, imagine like $300,000 you find in the wash. I mean, <laughs> there's no way they're thinking they're going to make any money off of this at some point. They must've had a good contract, man. I I mean, I guess they had to give them residuals. I'm, I'm sure other people have made it. Cause you know, it became so popular about 10 years ago and then they made a sequel in 2015 or something. Yeah. I seen that. Yeah, and then apparently they're going to have another one. Have you watched the sequel? Nope, I'm afraid it might be better. I don't know if it's like got the same attitude. It might it might be worth it. Yeah, but I have a feeling that they're probably trying to make it bad. Yeah, you know. Yep, yep, that's my fear. Joe and Frank gunned down the Katana gang in like that the the one gang member, the black guy who gets shot, like where you can see him splat ketchup on his chest. Oh, is that where they go into the house? And she did uh, Jennifer, I think the female cop. She's like, yeah. well, bud, we're by ourselves. You want to fuck? And he's like, fuck oh, off. And they walks away. <laughs> and she giggles. I'm like, I, I'm pretty sure she ad libbed that or whatever. Because she's actually laughing after he says yeah. it. That's such a weird one, too. That, yeah, you're probably right. That's probably ad libbed because it's just bizarre. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they go and they, they gun down that uh, Katana gang. I imagine what they told this guy when he like splats the ketchup or whatever on his chest. He's just like, all right, this guy's going to shoot you and then you're going to die. And he's probably like, well, shouldn't I have some blood or something? They're like, um, he- here's a squib that no one else wanted to use. Like, This isn't a squib. This is a McDonald's ketchup packet. <laughs> In and out, wherever they're at. Yeah, wherever. I mean, they shot this all in Los Angeles, so. Yeah, and then then we get the final fight with the katana swords, and uh, where they sit there, they just speed them up, like flailing with a katana. Oh, it's so bad! It's great. This is actually how I first saw the film. Was um, when I was in the Alamo Draft House. A couple years, they play a bunch of like trailers and clips and everything before the movies. Fucking Alamo is, I love it. Yeah. And I saw this and I was like, what the fuck is this? Uh, That would have been awesome to watch, you know, like some of these films in Alamo. Because like when I saw it, I saw um, Turbo Kid. I love that movie. Yeah, I liked it too. We should actually review Turbo Kid one day. Had a lot of people ask me about that. I'm down. Yeah. Never seen it. Never heard of it until just now. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. It's yeah. 80s. It is great. 
So when they get into it and they fight and everything, uh, I see we've got a note here and more banana hammock to close up some things. What? <laughs> Who added this note? Who do you think? <laughs> <laughs> there was no, there was no like banana. Wasn't there they just like do a gratuitous banana hammock shot and then just like fade out or something? At the end? On the beach. On yeah, the beach, that's like though. all it is on the beach. Yeah, because he beats he beats the guy, you know, with the katana and he looks like he's going to kill himself. And then he like tries to doesn't he try to kill Joe at the last second? I thought he killed himself. Or does he just stab himself? Yeah, he's like, let him. He's like, no, Joe, you're a cop. You can't do it. And he's then he's like, you got to stop him. No, he's a samurai. He needs an honorable death. Yeah. All right. Yeah, he stabs himself. And then we get a shot of him on the beach. In a banana hammock. And that's this is another scene where Brad's questioning everything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm questioning also like does Stallone just only hire guys that look like Stallone? Because wasn't uh, our guy Matt? He uh, uh, Joe Marshall there. He was Stallone's bodyguard or assistant. Yeah, he was uh, Stallone's bodyguard when he apparently he weighed a lot more, had a lot more muscle on him. And Stallone told them to slim down. People like more of a slim body. It's funny, like when he got to set, he's just like, I need you to act like Sylvester Stallone. But we're also, you know, basically doing a different version of Lethal Weapon. So I was like, wouldn't you tell him to act like Mel Gibson? Yeah. One of Stallone's old bodyguards lives here. Oh. I helped the guy move. I have more stories that I'll tell you guys about that man. <laughs> Uh, I mean, some of these people are so eccentric and crazy. Or they've got uh, behind the scenes stories that are fantastic. It was really cool. They brought out a whole bunch of like old photos and everything with Stallone on over the top. Oh, and awesome. shit like that. That's when he was his bodyguard was in that. And he's like, I'm in over the top. I don't know if you guys could tell, but the uh, the director in this did a lot of his own ADR. You don't say I would love to see those photos, by the way. Of this movie or over the top? Uh, no, just like any, yeah, all the over the top, like old, you know, photos like that where he's a bodyguard. But, you know, it's not like you were taking out your phone. You're like, let me take this one and this one. Yeah, that was in like 2003 or oh, four. Oh, jeez. Yeah, it was forever ago. So I got another question here. Yep. Well, Stallone could, didn't help out his boy, obviously, in this movie at all. But did you guys notice like some of the dialogue in this, this movie sounds a lot like south park dialogue do you think it might have influenced south park in some way like the creator of south park would have been probably like high school or maybe just starting college at this time uh, maybe even in like middle school so they might have kind of like talk and speak in like the same kind of cadence that people in this movie like communicate in i don't know i'd have to like listen to it again because i never even noticed it well if this movie didn't have an american release yeah how would he have seen it so it only went to poland and then came back to america eventually uh, yeah, so apparently this film was found, there was a story where it was found in a castle, and apparently that's completely fake, but apparently it was just being stored somewhere, and someone found it, and it was like, oh, this movie's funny as hell, and then that's, it was sold to someone else who distributed it. Yeah, so I, I, I doubt that they seen it growing up then. But I mean, movies like this, I guarantee a Matt Stone and Trey Parker watched. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, they're not much. Well, they're not much older than me. I don't think so, no. I, so they, I, yeah, they're probably more Brad's age. So whatever you grew up with, bud. Well, we're talking, yeah, if it's what I grew up with, then it'd be like Kroll and <laughs> Bonan and... and uh, 
Beastmaster and all that stuff. I do like your final note. It's not like they're the only group of people to attempt a creative endeavor and look foolish. Kind of like our podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That speaks straight to us. All right. So we kind of did the review of the movie. Uh, Let's move on to the museum. This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you. This is the part of the show where we go out in the film jungle like Indy and bring something back to our museum, like the swords. All the swords are around because this is part of our sword theme. Forgot to mention it at the beginning. But uh, yeah, here we go. Um, Chris, what do you got? I just want Frank. I just loved every time you just look over, he's just like, doesn't know where he is. And he's just yeah. smiling. He's like, yeah, all right. I, I I imagine this director, you know, probably had a thick accent and everything like that. He's, you know, probably like, okay, so you just saw something funny laughing to the camera. Like what type of laugh? Just laugh. <laughs> It'll make sense in the movie. And then when you see the cut of the movie, you're like, what? He just, he's good because he's like, they're like, Captain's going to burn your ass. And he's like, well, my ass is already black. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Today is 420. And, you know, Frank was obviously smoking some doobies before he went out there and got on camera. So I think the universe is telling us something here. It's time to blaze it. If you're a responsible adult. Oh, yes, of course. Of course. Yeah. Because everyone was responsible in the, the, the early 90s when they did this in L.A. Very responsible. All right, Brad, what do you got? Oh, I'm just going to go with Captain Roma. That scene with Captain Roma that you just did where he's like, I got a club up my ass and it hurts. It's a pretty good one. You need to find a way to get it out of there. I, I just want to put in the, the Costa Rican server because <laughs> it literally feels like it's coming from a totally different movie. I don't have any clue why you would have someone act you know, like that. I don't get it. What's the point? There's no point. You know what I mean? Like, it's, I don't know. I just thought it was just, it's just like one of those things that you get in movies like this. Like, hey, can, can I be a gay Costa Rican waiter? Sure. Why not? Yeah. yeah there was no point to talk to him. No. Like at all. His character. I do like the interaction they have. And I think it's pretty funny, but like, there's no reason to talk to that man. And then let alone him to have 12 first names. So I asked one of my friends, uh, you know, he's gay. And I'm like, what do you, how do you feel when you hear like gay, you know, straight people doing like the most stereotypical gay accent? And he's like, oh, it's hilarious because they all think we talk like that. (laughs) (laughs) I I do ask this a lot to any, any of my gay friends and most of, most of them reply with it's hilarious. 1% of gay people talk like that, but that 1%, everyone mocks it, you know, or everyone does it as a stereotype. I was like, all right, okay. Doesn't seem to offend people. So I, that's why I'm like, I'm going to stick in the museum. I think a lot of those offensive things are only offensive if they're done wrong. That's true. Like, like if you are doing it well and not mean spirited, a lot of people aren't mad about it. Well, yeah, and I think it's the same thing sometimes when people get upset. Like, I remember someone getting upset about someone, you know, a white person wearing a sombrero. And they'd ask, you know, Mexican, you know, Mexican people, like, do you get offended by this? No, because it's not done in a mirrored spirit. Now, if you are doing it mean, then that's what Running offenses around being mean. real racist about it. Then, yeah, yeah. they're like, yeah, yeah that's yeah. annoying. But yeah, I think a lot of it's like people getting offended on someone else's behalf, even though the people that they... Oh, might be yeah. offended, you know. 
Yeah, the people that are like getting on their soapbox and then like, I must protect these people. It's like, well, calm down. They have social media too. They'll be okay. <laughs> I am your savior. I will protect you. Uh, yep. right. Well, as three uh, white guys, we're, we're probably moving on from this. Nope. nope. <laughs> they get deeper. I my my favorite are the uh, white guys who defend Captain Marvel. That's my favorite because I want to. I everyone who listened to last week's episode. Yep, that's the my favorite. They're like, you guys are just sitting in your basement, torturing this movie, giving it dislikes. Now I will say, I hate the people who do all the shit on YouTube that like just get up and bash and make money off of it. I hate those. Yeah, that like anger farming. They're just trying to get views by pissing oh. people off. That's amazing. It's called anger farming, or did I you don't just make that up? It's called something, but I can't remember it. I'm not smart yeah. enough. Yeah, see, I don't like to be associated. I hate that association. Yeah, I hate these people. Or... Well, I I liked it, so that's not all of us hate it. Steve, when it comes to Captain Marvel, you just need to do better. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how to do better. All right. That'll end it for this week. Thanks for coming on, guys, and talking a little Samurai Cop. I would like to apologize for making you watch it so many times. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, we forgot to plug social media in the beginning of this, so it's something we're trying to do. Plug social media. Yeah, so we got a Facebook group. Uh, it's it's just search Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. And then we have an Instagram. It's not very good, but it's uh, Analog Jones TOF. It, okay. We post shit on there and people talk. More people that join them, more people talk. Yeah, we didn't do recommendations. I, I personally would not recommend this to anybody to watch. But if somebody puts it on at a party or in a group setting, I'm not going to tell them not to watch it. It's like there are parts that are really fun. Yeah, I would only recommend people to watch this alone if you play pickleball. That's the type of people who need to watch this alone. I hate pickleballers. <laughs> Taken up by Rolf courses. They can't. They don't. They don't get to choose. Do you not like your wife? Do you not like your children? Do you really not like life but still want to exercise? Try pickleball. I mean, how's that? How's that? that was a... Yeah, it's good. great. Yeah. We're cashing their checks every week now. <laughs> we got to get me a basement so I can be a guy in a basement complaining. Oh, that's the best place to be. Yeah, I'm like, not in a basement. It just echoes around, and I just keep hearing my own voice. My house doesn't even touch the ground. Think you're fancy with your floating house? No, I'm terrified of these tornadoes. <laughs> Should be. <laughs> All right. Remember to be kind. And rewind. Yeah.